It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light to the, for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Isaiah 49, verse 6. During life's journey, Canaan Bound Podcast features devotional segments by pastors serving in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, along with church history, mission news, and music by various Christian artists who support our teaching. I'm Philip Wells, and this is episode number 69. We begin today with a moment with the Master, with Pastor Aaron Nitz. Welcome once again to a moment with the Master. Our portion of God's word that we're focusing on today is from Isaiah 49, verse 6. It reads, He says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. What do you want to be when you grow up? Did ever, anyone ever ask you that? Have you asked that of someone? Are you going? Are you doing what you always dreamed you'd be doing? Career choices are a major decision for anyone. In His grace, God allows us to make decisions about where to move or what job to have. However, while God hasn't told us what we should do, He has told us exactly who we are to be. God wants each of us to serve Him in whatever position in life we have. God wants us to view our lives as belonging to Him, to work as if we are working for Him, to view our time as belonging to Him, because, after all, we are His servants. But what kind of a servant are you? What kind of a servant am I? Have I been God's perfect servant? No, we've all failed. So what did God do? Tell us, sorry, too bad, I'm through with you? No, not at all. Instead, he sent the servant. Jesus became God's perfect servant. Jesus came to do all of God's will all of the time. Why? So he could save the tribes of Israel and the tribes of Jacob. But not just them. No, God's servant is too great for just that. God's servant came to save the world, to bring God's salvation to the ends of the earth. In other words, God's servant Jesus is your Savior, for you are part of that world. So now, no matter what position in life you have, you get to serve God with your life, without doubt or fear or guilt, but with a clear conscience, with joy and with peace. For Jesus served God by saving you. I'm serving the one who served me first, just like you. May the Lord bless you this week and always. And next, we listen to Crown Him with Many Crowns by Branches Band from their album Crown Him King.
Next up, we have Freedom in Christ with Pastor Mark Falk. Galatians 5 verses 7 to 12. Strong words. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. NIV 2011 There are ways to translate that are soft and spare the ears of the young, but that last verse could be translated in a way that might be considered crude or vulgar. Why don't they just cut themselves off? Not just cut off a little skin, but cut off the parts that make them men. Now remember, Paul wrote this, which means the Holy Spirit wrote this. Sometimes Christian pastors still speak sharply. They use language that upsets people. But tact is a wonderful virtue. But it is only the translation of this verse that would qualify as tactful in our age, which is often lacking in moral sensitivity, but also too often hung up on false tact. This is strong speech. This isn't the first time Paul spoke or wrote strongly. In an age that thinks all roads lead to God, we may be even more offended when we read in chapter 1 that anyone who preaches a different gospel than the one Paul has proclaimed ought to be consigned to hell. Go back and read it. A former president, a Sunday school teacher in his church, we are told, publicly proclaims that all religions teach the same thing. He includes Buddhism and Hinduism in this list. He calls it arrogance to claim that we have the truth and that they don't. He would not be a Sunday school teacher in many Christian congregations, thank God. What is it that gets Paul so leathered up in this chapter? It is not immorality. It is not that there are real sinners in the church, people with a past. We all have a past, indeed a present, that is tainted with real sin. We confess this every Sunday in churches that still have confession and absolution. No, it isn't even the crassest sins of the flesh that upset Paul. Likewise, Martin Luther was appalled when he visited Rome. The immorality of the clergy in the 1500s turned his stomach. But it was not this that caused the Reformation. To their credit, Romanists then and now have tried to remove the scandal of open sin. It was falsehood, the replacing of pure gospel with a dangerous mixture of law and gospel. This is what upset the great reformer. This is the issue here. Someone has cut in on the good race of faith by preaching this. True believers of the New Testament must follow the rules of the Old Covenant. And the first rule is circumcision. Greeks and Romans would have to practice what to them was self-mutilation in order to belong to the kingdom of God. It is in this context that Paul says that being circumcised at that time and in that place, would deny Christ. What would deny Christ today? Anything, anything that subtracts from or adds to this truth, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. 
Luther once said that the church can endure sins, even great and public sins, but it could not and cannot survive the loss of this teaching, salvation through Christ alone, by faith alone, by God's grace alone, revealed in Scripture alone. Strong words, sometimes they need to be spoken. It was for such words that Paul was persecuted by fellow Jews. But these strong words protected the truth of salvation by our Savior Jesus Christ. And now we join Pastor Tim Smith with God's Word for You. God's Word for You, Job 21, 17 to 21. Let's look at 17 and 18 first. Yet how often is the lamp of the wicked snuffed out? How often does calamity come upon them, the fate of God allots in his anger? How often are they like straw before the wind, like chaff swept away by a gale? Job's now on the offensive. He's answering every accusation of his friends with logical, if emotional, questions that chop away at the whole artificial argument that Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar have been building up. They can say that in the eyes or lamp of the wicked will fade, but Job says, how often does that happen? They can claim the calamity is hungry for the wicked, but Job asks, well, how often does that happen? They could treat Job like dry chaff, but Job asks, how often does the storm blow it all away? Verse 19, Job says, It is said, God stores up the punishment of the wicked for their children. Let him repay the wicked so that they themselves will experience it. Now, the it is said here is not in the Hebrew text, but Job appears to be quoting something from an earlier argument that we might not have heard. Paul does that in 1 Corinthians 7. 1. Or he might be answering Zophar's claim in chapter 20 that his children must make amends to the poor. Job does not think that God would punish children for the sins of their parents. In this matter, we need to remember that Job lived long before the time of Moses. When God gave Moses the law on Mount Sinai, he made a clear statement about unbelief. You shall not bow down to false gods or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their fathers to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. That's the first commandment. When a first commandment turns to, when, when a parent rather turns to unbelief, it affects his family and it's not easily overcome. This statement stands as a warning to us not to take the path that so many do nowadays, letting our children discover God for themselves. Parents who pretend to do that aren't doing it at all. They're setting an example of doubt and unbelief that drives away the cloudburst of the gospel. Verses 20 and 21. Let their own eyes see their destruction. Let them drink the cup of the wrath of the Almighty. For what do they care about the families they leave behind when their allotted months come to an end? In verse 21, Job says that the dead do not have any interest anymore in the fate of their families. Job isn't speaking here as an inspired prophet. In the account of the rich man and poor Lazarus, Jesus tells us that a dead man in hell might well be concerned about the fate of his family. However, the Bible does tell us that those who are dead are no longer aware of what's happening to those who remain behind. Isaiah says in Isaiah 63, Abraham does not know us or Israel acknowledge us. The time we have now is our time of grace. How much longer will our time be? Only God knows. That's why we do everything we can to bring our loved ones to faith. The gospel does all the work. 
We're simply the vessels that carry it. And by the grace of God, that gospel was carried to each one of us. That grace means the forgiveness of sins and of eternal life. Let's go back for a second to verse 18. I'd like to read it again. How often are they, that is the wicked, Job says, how often are they like straw before the wind, like chaff swept away by a gale? Our author once more is hinting about the approaching storm. Now, no longer are there passing references like we had in chapter 13 to the dry leaves flitting past. Now the wind has really picked up and a storm front itself is in the distance. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's word for you. We end our time together with another song from the Branches Band, The King of Love.
once again, we would like to thank the Branches Band for letting us share their music with you this week. Please note, all music is copyrighted and shared by permission. Please consider making a donation to a featured artist or ministry to support them and mention your appreciation for this podcast. You have been listening to episode 69 of Cannonbound Podcast. This podcast was first shared in May of 2014. Visit com to learn how you can support the ministry of the Wells and the artists featured on this show. Once again, my name is Philip Wells. It was a privilege to be your host for this episode. We encourage you to visit wells.net to find a Wells ministry location near you. Thank you for listening. Christ died on the cross, set me free by grace.